This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. That's just it. If we're tricked, you're allowed to tackle a ball carrier. If we don't, it's my understanding. I I used to do it anyway, so. (laughs) First time pass interference has ever been called on a nose tackle. That is, wow. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at CJOB.com. Hey, hey, it's the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. I'm Greg Mackling to guide you through the next half hour or so. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are 6-2 and two following their defeat of the formerly undefeated Edmonton Eskimos. And Doug Brown, you and I, we called it right here on the Blue Bomber Podcast. The Eskimos were indeed ripe for the picking. This is the insider education moment uh, broadcast. So yeah, it was just, you know, you, you looked at the way one team was playing and you looked at the the adversity the other team had to overcome with the injuries, so on and so forth, going on the road, having never lost a game in investors group. It's just too many things, right? And you're just like, the Bombers are going to get this right. And, and this season, things are going right for them. When you uh, when you have comebacks like they've had already this season, you score, come back from a 12-point deficit in 95 seconds, things are going your way for the time being, right? So it was just, uh, it was too much stacked up on the side of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And, uh, you know, one of the few times the game played out and... Uh, uh, went the way you expected it to. You know, you mentioned in the pregame show that uh, the fans and maybe some of the players would be hoping for a decisive victory. I think that qualified. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, the one thing we were worried about up in the booth broadcasting the game was, um, you know, they had opportunities to score more than field goals and to be to have a bigger lead than they did early in the going. Right. Um, so we were like, oh, is this going to come back to bite them? Is it going to be one of those games where Edmonton's hanging around, hanging around? We knew Riley was going to get on and get in a groove at some point, and uh, he did have his moment. But, you know, it was an interesting contrast just watching him, uh, you know, govern his offense versus the way uh, Nichols and the Paul Police offense was run. And it, it was a fantastic game. You know, big crowd, big 50 50, uh, a lot of points, a lot, you know, it wasn't a, a defensive um, minded game in any way, shape, or form, but it was, uh, it was pretty cool, the outcome and everything. So, atmosphere is a word that we can use to describe the situation in the building in IGF on Thursday, but also at practice on Sunday when I was down there with Bob Irving. There's a certain air, a certain atmosphere around this Winnipeg Blue Bomber football club right yeah. now. And that's why, you know, we had that question, and I, I wrote a column for tomorrow's. Uh, paper in terms of is this a statement game and whether you admit it or not whether that's your philosophy going forward for your team or not uh, you know it affects people it affects people that are fans of this football team it affects the players um, not obviously you want to talk about confidence builders right you're the first team to to, to beat a team regardless of the injuries circumstances everyone deals with that right you throw that out the window and uh, it makes you feel pretty good to uh, to take down a team of, of that caliber and just with you know that's been the one lingering uh, skeleton in the closet of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is, oh, well, how do they do against the Western Division, right? And uh, that's the first, I believe, uh, four of the next six or something like that are against a Western uh, opponents, um, something along those lines. So it's it's a good start, right? And it's uh, it's a huge confidence builder for a team that everyone's just telling them, oh, they're Eastern teams that you're winning and, and you can't win the, the big games against the teams that are the top tier contenders and qualifiers. Well, looks good now, right? And you just got to keep building off that. The Blue Bombers have been outstanding at preaching and living the one game at a time thing, right? I spoke to Darvin Adams on Sunday after practice and, you know, uh, is is Edmonton done? Are they in the river? Yeah, that's done now. Yeah. Now we're thinking about Montreal. How much does 
the week's previous success or lack thereof, depending on what's happened, affect your preparation for the upcoming week, in this case for Montreal? Yeah, you know, that's why I think they have this, it's just another game mentality, right? So we're in the post-game show. I asked Matt Nichols the same question I asked Mike O'Shea. Is this a statement game or is this just next game? I mean, honestly, I feel like it's just another game. Um, you know, I, I always feel like the Western games always feel just the same as this one did. didn't matter that it was 7-0 and and 5-2 and uh, uh, or whatever everyone else is talking about. You know, to me, it was a four-point game. You know, we want two, send them home with zero, and, and that's always the game plan when you play against Western opponents. So um, that's a huge one for us. Uh, if you want to call it a statement game, um, you know, to me, it's just a, a huge one for us just in, in terms of anytime you win a Western, Western game, it's, it's big for you. You can't take one game and have it mean more than the next. You really can't. you got to be very consistent in your prep. No, last week was Hamilton, and they didn't have a win. <laughs> to us, it's a very different experience uh, covering a game from uh, when you're in Hamilton against a team that hasn't won a game versus uh, a team that has won all their games and leading the Western Division and ranked number one in the CFL. But that's, that's, that's incredible focus. Yeah, well, we have to be because uh, you can let them slip if you don't have that kind of focus. But that's why you guys get paid the big bucks to put it on air and, and, and make it good. You can hear the smirk through, through the microphone. They're like, ah, sorry, man. It's just another game. Sorry, I can't. You know? and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you, you played a winless team last week. You played an undefeated team this week. Uh, you know, number one in the CFL, number one ranking, you know, seven wins in a row. And you're trying to tell me it means the same to you as beating a hapless 0-6, 0-7 team? They're like, yep. And they both said it, right? So you know it's pervasive. You know they have buy-in from the players now, and it's sweeping through. But it makes sense. When you sit down and you break it down, you're like, why is it always, it's just this week's game, and our goal is to win that game, and it's no more important than last week or what's going to be next week kind of thing. How do they compartmentalize it like that, and why is it, why is it played that way? It's because if you make it more than that, first of all, if you get up for some games where it grabs your attention and they're high-caliber teams, then it's kind of unwritten that you're not gonna you're not gonna prepare as well when you're playing a lesser team. You need those wins as much as you need wins against Edmonton, right? So it gives you consistency. And then the other thing is, is if you actually lose a game and you made too much of a big deal about it, right? Then there's the worry about the morale and the confidence of the team. It's always just one game in the regular season, right? And that's why it was just the next one on the schedule and they have to win. That's their goal. And if they lose, well, you know what? You got to flush that one. And that's how they're able to move away from losses. And that's how they don't get too swept up in momentum from winning. So what's going to be interesting is the end of the year. When they're in the playoffs again, they'll be, you know, obviously our expectation, they'll be in the playoffs for the first time in back-to-back years since 2007, 2008. That's a long time ago. But the interesting thing is going to be when Michael Shea finally says to the team, okay, well, this isn't just the next game. This is the only game now. <laughs> there is no next game anymore. Sure. You know, it'll be interesting to see how this team responds and plays them because they've certainly bought in to the concept and it's working really well for them. Okay, so we don't suit up for the blue and gold on a weekly basis. It just feels like it from time to time. We get we get caught up in the same sort of philosophy. Can we look at the next three game chunk? We've got Montreal who were absolutely dominated by Ricky Ray and the Toronto Argonauts this past weekend. They looked dreadful, quite frankly, did yeah. the Montreal Alouettes. And then 
you've got those classic back-to-back games against yeah. Saskatchewan, the Labor Day Classic, and of course the Banjo Bowl. Three games here. Can we look at it from the outside as two out of three would be acceptable in a situation like this? Does it matter which two out of three? How would you look at it, Doug? Yeah, I mean, uh, like you say, we're the only ones that are going to do that. The, the players and the, the coaches, we already know what they're looking at. They're looking at Montreal and nothing else, right? And so we're big picture people because we can step away. We don't have to be on that team. And yeah, I mean, Labor Day game is always hard. You, you got to think, getting a sweep all the time in Saskatchewan, especially now that they're playing a little better, uh, that's that's hard to do. Winning that Labor Day Classic, as we'll get into on another feature, is it, it can be tough. But Montreal too. Montreal's a different football team at home, right? They're the only team that beat Calgary at home. Uh, they're not going to have forgotten what happened, the one they let get away at IGF, right? So they're erratic right now. They're very much like the, the Bombers last year. You never knew what you're going to get, who's going to show up, what was going to happen kind of thing. So they can, you know, this could be a revenge game for them. This is a tough stretch, these three games, uh, because of the rivalry and because of the, how well Montreal matched up against Winnipeg uh, earlier in the year. Even though I, I kind of think the Bombers have switched gears and elevated their play since that game. But Montreal, you know, they still remember. They still have that that burn and that that feeling about what happened last time. So, yeah, I think two for three, and then in the next uh, three game series uh, would be would be great, and and would situate them. What does that make them uh, eight and three on the season? Yeah, that would make them eight and three. That, which would be fantastic, you know. Yeah, so. that sets them up nicely, and and obviously, you know, playing a road game in the playoffs last year, uh, the only way to up that would be to have a home playoff yeah. game at IGF. And uh, let me tell you, from talking to the players over the last few days, there is a renewed sense of home field advantage. Maybe finally, yeah. as it pertains to IGF. And before we leave altogether, the game last Thursday again. Edmonton, have you ever seen the players jumping up into the crowd the way they were? Like, there is a, a real relationship developing here between the fans of the Blue Bombers and this edition of the club. Yeah, and that's, that's supposed to be the connection you have at home, right? And uh, I would suggest that before you're going to participate in the Lambo leap at home, you you actually have a vertical. But uh, you know, the difference, what a stark contrast between watching Andrew Harris kind of walk along the top of that barrier and other guys kind of hopping off the ground. Just Can you reaching give me a out. boost? Can someone touch me or pull me up or get a harness and a forklift or, or some kind of ratcheting system to bring me so... But that's great. You know, it's that kind of excitement is what you want and, and obviously nothing breeds that kind of excitement like winning. And I believe uh, so far this year they're three and one now at home is is my understanding that's what wade told us at least in the pregame show i I haven't actually looked back and done the homework i think your math is right yeah i I think so you know it's a new chapter for them and we like to obviously go back and see hey they're this record on the road and this record at home but it's a new season and uh, they're three and one right now so they are tapping into all the advantages that you get at home Why don't we take a little pause? We'll uh, update some things. We'll give you the secret word for you to enter for Blue Bomber tickets. And then when we come back, we'll look at the front runners for some of the team awards. And could some of these players end up being up for league-wide awards when the season wraps up? We're 6-2. and Let me scratch that. The Blue Bombers are 6-2. and You are with the Blue Bomber podcast with Doug Brown. Whether Bomber fans call or text, Bob Irving makes sure your questions get answers from Mike O'Shea. It's your chance to stay connected to the blue and gold. The Payworks Bombers Coaches Show with Mike O'Shea and Bob Irving, Monday at 7 on CJOB. Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown wants to send you to see the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. This week's secret words, plural, 
Banjo Bowl. Text them to 204-780-6868. It's our way of thanking you for downloading, for sharing, for listening to the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Hope you're having a great day. Don't forget your opportunity to see the blue and gold in person, courtesy the Blue Bomber Podcast. That number, 204-780-6868. Those words, Banjo Bowl. Good luck. Everything you need to know about your Winnipeg Blue Bombers brought to you by a CFL Hall of Fame player. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Subscribe now in iTunes. Hey, Doug, uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about where we're at in terms of team awards. It's Greg Mackling, Doug Brown with you. Well, it's almost halfway Podcast. through the season, right? Yeah, so this is a good time to take a look at yeah. it. Front you know, runners, you've right? got your MVP... Nichols and Medlock. Well, Nichols or yet, I haven't. You yet, see, the, you see the question mark behind their I names. I do. Yeah. Yet you have Andrew Harris, who has all of a sudden weaselled his way, and I mean that in the finest sense, into the conversation about league MVP. It's kind of ironic because well, whose conversation? Not not not, my not yours. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. Is yeah. it Andrew Harris? Is it Matt Nichols? Is it Justin Medlock? I know what you're thinking. At least I think I know what you're thinking. But tell me what you're thinking. Well. Uh, you know, so we're talking MVP versus. Uh, I have Andrew Harris, obviously, as the front runner for. Like I say, we're doing the halfway through the season point, right? Right. Things can change. It'll be interesting to compare what our expectations are from here. Well, I'm writing it down. Don't you worry. So uh, Andrew Harris, I expect to be top Canadian, uh, followed closely by Jamal Westerman. And for my MVPs, I'm I'm kind of up in the air right now between Medlock and Nichols and. You know, it's it's a traditionalist thing. If you want to have your player to have an opportunity to win the the CFL Major Award, so not just for a team, but for the West to represent the West or the East, and or have an opportunity of winning it in the end, for the quarterbacks take that right. It's usually uh, Medlock's names on this list. First of all, this is, these are text messages I send you. Okay, in terms of <laughs> it's not it's not anything I'm chiseling it out in granite. Right, these yeah. are discussion points for us. Okay, but uh, <laughs> well, you wrote them, so I'm reading them. So Medlock is a huge part of the offense. Andrew Harris is still the stir that stirs that drink offensively. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, it, it starts and ends always with your quarterback in the CFL with Matt Nichols. So uh, you know, Andrew Harris has to go. That much further as a running back to get that consideration. When you know you look at the numbers, the the touchdowns versus interceptions, the yardage, what he's on pace for right now. Uh, Matt Nichols, um, the story of how he's elevated and and led this team uh, two years back to back now. And to me, he, it's got to be him. And that's traditionally how it's always been. You know, if your quarterback is good, you have to be, you know, you have to be Emmett Smith at running back to leapfrog that guy because he touches the ball every, I mean, Andrew Harris shooting for a thousand and a thousand rushing and receiving, that's almost touching the ball every play. Like he's very involved in this offense, super high percentage, still not Matt Nichols. And then obviously I had Medlock down there just because the guy averages more than almost two touchdowns in terms of contribution to this offense every game. Super viable trifecta. And you know you're on a good team when you have this discussion and this argument. When you can have this debate, you know, when it's just a throwaway, well, it's got to be this guy. And there's no more. How good are you really? Yeah, how when you have no depth and you, there's no argument. I mean, I've been on teams where we knew we knew after the first game who the you know the, the award winners were going to be at the end of the year just because there wasn't that depth. So it just goes to show you they're a good football team. Yeah, I think Justin Medlock gets a, a a nod here just because of his contributions in the early part of the season to give the Bombers opportunities to win games and then of course to actually and literally win them with his foot. And Andrew Harris, you can't say enough to actually. 
uh, get a thousand yards receiving and a thousand yards rushing in one season. That will be a monumental task, but I agree with you. It starts, it ends with Matt Nichols and how he has been able to just quietly, because he's a quiet leader, just to come in here. And I, he asserted himself from his very first start in Edmonton to come in and kind of make this team his own has been incredibly, incredibly impressive in my view. Yeah, no, totally agree with you. That's why he's down there. Obviously, Medlock's going to get the the special teams nod, and then defensively is going to be interesting. That's that's the one that's probably most open uh, to be decided in the second half of the season, right? You're talking Jamal Westerman or perhaps Mo Leggett. For me, defensively, I like to see a well-rounded player um, whose absence is is noted, who's consistent every game, and who does more than just you know one thing, and and is is really good at his craft across the board. You said one thing there, and that's whose absence is noted. And conspicuous by their absence whenever Maurice Leggett is out of the lineup. It's a big deal for this football team. I want to put Chris Randall's name on the list for consideration as well. He's rock solid in his position. And for a guy that was a little bit maligned before he came to Winnipeg, he's really established himself as one of the captains on that defense. Yeah, it's hard, you know, at his position to to get. You're just not in the action as Enough. much. He uh, he certainly should be consideration for an all star, you know, divisional and or uh, a Canadian. But uh, if you want to be a defensive MVP, you have to, you know, you have to catch people's eyes by having those plays and those stats and those things, that whole body of work put together. And he's just not, you know, because he he's kind of isolated out there a little bit. And he's just not as involved. And that respect, too. Like, people don't go at him. As You, you saw what happened when Riley went at him with, yep. with inside position and leverage on uh, Getzlaff. It was just, you know, we talked to him after the game. He was like, yeah, I was getting that ball. There was no way, you know, Getzlaff tried to go over the top and, and grab that away. It wasn't happening. So, But he's a, he's a great consideration as well. Jamal Met- Westerman is an interesting study. He drives me nuts. I absolutely love the way he plays, but those 15-yard penalties. Talk about someone who played next to someone on defensive end who had a propensity for <laughs> taking 15-yard penalties. Is that great on a defense, or do you just understand that it goes with the territory with the guy who plays all edge. out and on the edge? Yeah. Like that. It just depends on the guy and depends on why, right? If it's, uh, you know, just sometimes your aggression gets the best of you. Sometimes you just want to hit somebody. And uh, sometimes it sets the tone. It all It's always circumstance too. You know, like I'll always look in, in what, in what condition, in what scenario are you taking this penalty, right? Like if it's in our red zone, if the game's on the line, you got to button it up. You got to tighten it up. You can't give things away at critical times in the game. You know, if it's, if they're starting their drive and it's the first quarter or maybe the third and, and one gets away from you, you know, I can understand that, but you have to also recognize the moment you're in, in a football game and react and act and behave appropriately, right? So it can be frustrating, but like I say, you, you have to consider everything, all the all the elements, you know. It's like um, sentencing from a judge, right? You, you look at the accused and you look at his track record and you look at his history and is he open to rehabilitation? Can all you, things you know, are open to or, consideration. Or, or you have to put it all. Or is he just a chronic, <laughs> you know, criminal that, uh, that just is never, is always going to be a menace to society or something like that, so... Yeah, it's every player is different, right? And you just hope they 
they can reel it in when you need them to. Yeah, you know that Corey Johnson, uh, Poop Johnson, had that 15-yard roughing penalty that sustained and kind of gave an Edmonton uh, drive life. They had them pick, pinned down fairly deep in Edmonton territory, and they hurt more for some reason on second down when mm. you stop them, yeah. and then you, you go... should be off the field. Then, that's right, and th- th- those are the ones that are killer. Why don't we uh, take w- one more pause? We'll, uh, we'll come back and we'll set things up real quick for Montreal. One more time because the Alouettes have, we've touched on it, a couple of different reasons to be extremely motivated for this week's game against the Blue Bombers. It is the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. No matter what side of the political spectrum you sit on, keep your eyes open, keep your ears open, and more importantly than anything else, keep your mind open. The Shadow Davis Show, weekdays 6 to 10. Hey, it's Doug and Greg here for the Blue Bomber Podcast. We want to give you an opportunity to see the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in action. 204-780-6868. What else could it be but Banjo Bowl? As that's the next Blue Bomber home game coming up on September 9th. That's a Saturday afternoon. 204-780-6868. If you'd like to get tickets for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, courtesy the Blue Bomber Podcast. The secret word this week. It's two of them, actually. Banjo Bowl. Welcome back to the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Let's get back to the action. So, Doug, we're going to Montreal. While you're going to Montreal, I get to stay here. I was supposed to be in Montreal for this game this week, but that's another story for another time. The Montreal Alouettes have several reasons, two in particular, to be really pissed off right now in coming <laughs> well, into this game. I know one game. of them. What are, what are the other reasons? Well, the one is the, how the Bombers came back against yeah, them, yeah, right? Okay. And the other That's is how the horrible they were in Toronto this gotcha. past week, right? So they've got double motivation in my mind because the Argos plain and simply embarrassed the Alouettes in uh, Sunday afternoon in Toronto. So how do you bounce back if if you're Montreal? How, how are you reacting to coming into this game against the the hottest team in the CFL now. Yeah, you know, you uh you know, you look at it as a huge opportunity. Uh Montreal, you understand how you match up against this team, you understand how you've competed previously against this football team. You saw how successful you were yet for a momentary lapse. If if I'm a head coach, I'm just showing that final 95 seconds of that game over and over about again 50 times this week before before the Bombers come to town. Uh defensively, you rally around that and you have to, you know, look how you played the whole game up until those spots. And and they you know they have all the confidence in the world against this team. It's almost like Montreal. Uh, it's almost like Winnipeg when Edmonton came to town. Mm-hmm. You know they knew they could play with them. Uh, they saw the 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 injuries they had, and they understood how well they were executing at the time. And they just they knew they could run with those guys, right? And they went out and they proved it. And that's a dangerous thing about this game for for Winnipeg, is Montreal had definitely has the mindset that hey, we can beat this team. We should have beat this team. Look at all the accolades they're getting, and they're almost like you know that that younger brother right now that sees this star athlete, older brother. He's getting all all these benefits and everything of his performances. But he's beat him in one-on-one in his in his backyard kind of thing. But, you know, at the right moment, you know, the big guy showed up and his experience won out or, or something like that. So 
It's going to be interesting. You know, it's, it's a tough game. As we talked about, um, Montreal's the one team that's beaten Calgary. They're a different team at home as well. They're not going to play like they did in Toronto, especially uh, if, if their head coaches have um, any steel in them whatsoever. They're going to respond from that uh, poor performance, and it should be a big challenge for Winnipeg. So is it McGill Stadium itself, or is it what goes on outside of McGill <laughs> Stadium hours before kickoff? And I'm talking about the 24 hours or 36 hours, because Montreal, even in the National Hockey League, it's one of those party towns. Is that Montreal's home field? Is it actually a home city advantage? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends on your roster. depends on the guys on it, right? And uh I'll actually be out there, so you know I'll keep my. <laughs> I'll keep let you know. I'll let you know what the problem was uh, after the game, but it's a combination. Obviously, it's uh, you know this football team though, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have been very good on the road, so it'll be interesting since to last see, year. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they play because they do get focused in, they get brought in, they have a uh, an itinerary, they're told what to do, they're they're busy the entire time they're on the road, and uh, that kind of focus, you know, no reason for that not to work in in Montreal. But it is an alluring city. There's lots of distractions, lots of things you can do, and plus, you know, it's uh, it's an intimate kind of environment in that stadium. Um, it's it's a cultural experience almost, right? You're, you're in Montreal. It's completely different. Very easy to get distracted as a football player. And uh, they're a team that, you know, really takes advantage of that home field advantage. Uh, the, all the home field, you know, intangibles that surround them and, and feeding off the crowd and, and the energy and, and not having that fatigue from travel and everything. Montreal does a great job of, of changing their, their game energy. So if you got 30 seconds, Mike O'Shea says, Doug, I want you to come in and caution. We've got some players that have never played in Montreal before. Uh, what would you tell them? Uh, you know, I know you outlined a few things there, but in terms of this being a different place, potentially for the reasons that you outlined, would you focus on the things we just talked about or are there some other bits of advice that you would give a, a newcomer for their first game in Montreal? I think you just challenge your players. You say, yeah. hey, this is a notoriously difficult place for people to come in and play. I don't know if it's the the whole different experience at the stadium, the, the culture, the the distraction, so on and so forth, but people don't do well here. Uh, a lot of teams, you know, look what happened to Calgary going in there. Are you and, using uh, that example specific? I, I think, you know, just as an eye-opener. It's like, guys, don't be, don't let that catch up to you. Don't let the experience overwhelm you. Keep your focus narrow and laser on the task at hand. And, you know, just keep reinforcing. This is how we play on the road. And this is what we expect on the road. You know, we're better than we are at home on the road. So let's go in and ruin that party. And this is the ultimate challenge. You know, that's how you build up that game. Even though it's just the next game on the schedule. It's a, it's a tough one. And uh, also caution your players, I would is like, don't kid yourself winning that game in Edmonton, uh, you know, thinking you're the cat's meow rolling into Montreal because they want to take you off that pedestal and they think they can take you off that pedestal. They almost beat you yeah. and your yeah. barn. They've beaten Calgary here. And let's not give back because that could be the difference, right? Is that victory that Montreal has over Calgary. That might be the difference between the Bombers and the Stampeders in the final standings, right? So you don't want to give back that gift to the Stampeders as much as doing a favor to Montreal because they're really a non-factor for you in the standings. Has this been is this being mature about your win and your success against Edmonton and not letting that go to your head and not letting and not thinking when you go into this game that things are just going to happen for you you know and it's never going to be easy and you always got to play with that kind of that kind of attitude and intensity that they did against Edmonton uh, you know 
you know, you're not you're not trying to knock Montreal off a ledge now, but you have to play. You have to defend that. You have to defend your right to to be uh, one of the upper echelon teams and to be in that talk as uh, you know one of the top ranked teams in the CFL. You got to fight for that. It doesn't just get handed to you every week. So we've gone from barely beating Montreal in 94 second heroics going to Ottawa taking care of business going to Hamilton and taking care of an O for team coming home and beating the undefeated team have we reached the tipping point now and this is the last question of the podcast have we reached that tipping point now where you and I were both nervous about making prediction about what would happen in Hamilton we were pretty comfortable in making a prediction that the Blue Bombers were going to beat the Eskimos last week. Yeah. How comfortable do you feel about where this team is now? And how comfortable do you make a prediction for this upcoming game? Yeah, I think they'll handle their victory the right way. I, I don't think that they'll take their foot off the gas pedal. I, I think they'll respond well. And I just think they're a better football team, right? Um, obviously, there are these factors that play up when you play the Alouettes in Montreal. But I think, you know, once again, on paper... Um, and through the experiences, I think uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are also going to be very motivated once they watch the film of how poorly they played that game against Montreal until that final stanza. So two very different experiences. One team watching the final 95 seconds, the other team watching the first three quarters, three and a half quarters that, you know, this is what they did to you. Don't be kidding yourself that you're going to expect to do the same thing when you go in there. So I think they, uh, you know, from how they've responded so far uh, this year and, and how they've uh, really been on the page of their head coach. I think they'll be dialed in, and I think they're a better football team. So they should win. If they don't, uh, it'll be a disappointment for sure. I think they're going to Regina 7-2, and two, Doug. Ew, it's nice. I remember we went there 7-1 once. Yeah, and, weren't, didn't work the, out so well. and weren't the Rough Riders 1-7? <laughs> and seven? Yes, they were. Yeah, so. we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more next week. Hey, Doug, thanks for this. Uh, Doug Brown and uh, Greg Mackling for the Blue Bomber Podcast. Have a great one. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com.